We are in a series uh, that we're starting today, an Easter series called Given. And during the next six weeks, we're going to be looking into the book of Acts and seeing what did God do in the early church and how do we take, how do we take a hold of what God did for them and make that our own and, and take the lessons learned and, and apply that to our lives as well. But I think it's important as we start to look at this series given and we're going to be looking into the book of Acts, let's understand, okay, who wrote the book of Acts? It was a physician. He was a doctor. His name was Luke. And he was the same person that wrote the gospel of Luke. But the interesting thing about Luke was he never met Jesus. He only came to faith because he was a friend of Paul's. And, and Paul witnessed to him and he became a believer. But, Paul, but Luke was such a man of God that, that he wanted to understand what happened when the disciples walked with Jesus. So he interviewed all the disciples. And that's the, that's the gospel of Luke. We have his Luke's account, a physician's account of all of what happened when Jesus was alive. Luke never met Jesus though. And, and then Luke was a part of the early church, but he had to interview when, when, you know, he wasn't there on the day of Pentecost. He interviewed all the disciples to understand what happened. And it's his account that we see in the, uh, in the, in the Acts of the Apostles or in, in the book of Acts in the Bible. So as we talk about the book given, there's a quote I don't know the, well, actually, I do know where this came from, but I'm going to share it, and maybe, you, maybe you'll recognize it, maybe you won't. Tell me if you've seen this quote before. It's, for of those to whom much is given, much is required. Have you ever heard that quote? Where do you think it comes from? It does come from the Bible, but the one that made it really popular was John F. Kennedy. Right after he was president-elect, he used that in one of his speeches, and it's known for that. But it comes from the Gospel of Luke. So the same guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke wrote, wrote the book of Acts. And it starts with this. In, in Luke 12, Jesus is talking to his, to his disciples. And he's giving them a story as Jesus most of the time does. He, he would teach through parables and through stories. And he's saying, look, it's just as if a master goes away and he leaves his servant in charge. What is that servant going to be found doing when the master comes back? Is he going to be found being faithful? Or is he going to be, believe, hey, I, you know, my, my master's gone a long time. I'm just going to party it up because I don't know when he's coming back and we're just going to have fun until he does. But Jesus says this to his disciples, for to whom much is given, much is required. And that's where JFK got this quote. So we see in the early church something as, as we walk through their lives and as we walk through the book of Acts, you're going to see this. They were given so much. And in that, in the, in and as much as they understood what they were given, they started to act out in generosity that just goes beyond all time. And we're going to learn, okay, what does it look like to live in a generous way? But we're going to be taking an attribute of what we see in their lives. And, and today, the first attribute that we're going to be looking at is the word courage. So we're going to find that in the book of Acts, they acted with courage. Now, you know, as just one other, one other backdrop as we get going on this and, and we're talking about, okay, how do we learn these lessons? Here's where I want us to learn to apply these lessons. So often we'll come to church and we'll be like, oh, this is really good. I'm going to take this to work and I'm going to take it to my neighbors and, and I'm going to practice it here and there. You know what? For the first thing you do, I want you to practice it at home tonight. Like, could you work on being generous to your family? Right? It, isn't, it isn't really any good if at 6 o'clock when I get home for dinner, I treat my wife in a manner that's inconsistent with how I'm going to go out and, and impact the rest of the world, right? So, so the first place that we take what we're learning from is practice it to your loved ones. 
Practice it to the family of God. Like we should make a difference here at church first and then to the rest of the world. If you just make a, a difference and you love all of your neighbors in the world, but you, but you really treat the people that you love the most unkindly, what does that say about us? So, so I want us to remember, hey, as we're taking these words of encouragement, let's apply them to our life for when we get home tonight, for when we wake up in the morning, and then do it throughout the rest of the day and throughout the rest of the week. But, but this isn't just for the world. This is for us. It's for our family. It's for the body of Christ. So we see this word courage. Now, courage is an interesting word. If I were to ask you, if I called a bunch of people up here to define the word courage, it, it may be difficult for you all to have the same definition of the word courage. And I looked online and looked up a number of different definitions and I found one that was probably the simplest and the one I liked the most. And it said this, courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. And I remember the first time that I was really faced with this word courage, I was on a cruise with my wife and it was a training cruise for an organization we were volunteering with called Family Life. Family Life is a, is a nationwide uh, ministry. It's based out of Arkansas. And they, they pulled all their volunteers together, had us pay for this cruise, and, and it was a week-long worth of training. It's like going to Hawaii for training, but it's even better because you're on a cruise and they feed you good and all that. So one of these nights where we had assigned seating every night at dinner, if you've ever been on a cruise, you know that's the big meal of the day and, and it's really, you know, you've got to dress up and all that stuff. And, and anyway, we see what our table is and, and we're at the table with the president and CEO of the ministry, Dennis Rainey. Now, I had seen Dennis before. I'd never met him, never talked to him. And I'm a little intimidated. Like, this is a man of God that has impacted thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives. And I'm going to be seated at his table. Like, this is, this is intimidating for me. So if I wasn't intimidated enough, he starts off the dinner conversation with an icebreaker. Now, I always thought icebreakers, they should be light, they should be easy. Like, you know, you're trying to get everybody to get to know one another. And here's his icebreaker. Tell me something you've done in your life that was courageous. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm having a panic attack. What am I going to tell the guy? Like, I'm not in the military. Like, Marines are courageous. I'm not courageous. I close my eyes at the scary parts of movies, all right? I do. I'm not courageous. Like, what am I going to tell him? And I'm like, oh, please, God, please, God, let him start with someone else. Like, if he picks me first, I don't know. I think I'm just going to have to excuse myself and say I have to go to the bathroom, you know. But thankfully, he started at the other side of the table, and we started to walk around and talk about a time in our life when we were courageous. So suppose I asked you that question. Hey, I'm going to invite you up this morning, and, and would you just like to share a time in your life you were courageous? Like, what would you say? Maybe some of us, you'd be like me, like, I, I don't feel very courageous. I, I don't know what to say right now. But we're going to look at how they did it, and we're going to see where that courage comes from, okay? So let's start off in the book of Acts. We're going to start off in chapter 1 and just set the stage a little bit and understand some of the things that were going on in this period of time. So we see Acts 1, verse 3. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, this is Jesus it's talking about, he appeared to the disciples from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is what we see starting off in the book of Acts. There was a period of 40 days from when Jesus rose from the dead to he went to heaven for the last time. And we know he's coming back again someday, right? And he'll come back in the heavenlies. But the, in those 40 days, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was training them. And 
At one meal, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. And what was that gift? That gift was the Holy Spirit. And we see that in Acts 2 in the day of Pentecost. Now, if, if I'm telling you stories that you're not familiar with, this is your homework assignment. Go home and open up your Bible to the book of Acts and start to read Acts. It's an amazing book that we're going to be in for the next six weeks. So, so take it upon yourself to start reading it. So we see that there was a secret to the transformation in the, in the lives of the early church. And it started with this event. It started with them receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. So did you know that as you and I believe in Jesus, that same power of the Holy Spirit is available to us? And now how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, when we read the Bible and we pray and ask God, God, would you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? Would you give me the power for today? God will do that for you. You just have to ask. It's, it's kind of like you see courage as a gift on the wall. It's great if it's on the wall. Even better if you'd go and you'd unwrap it and you'd make it your own, right? So, so we have the Bible that's been given to us. We've got the Holy Spirit that's been given to us, but we need to unwrap those things in our own lives. We need to dig in. And, and I think it's such an amazing thing that we have an ability that we can get into God's word, we can pray. And this really is the best segue from knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, make a difference, which is our vision, that we would take what the early church took, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit, make it their own, and they'll start to live in, in a missional way. So what was the mission of the disciples? What was the mission that they were all on? They gathered together in Pentecost, but they were of one heart and one mind. And what was that one heart and one mind? They had lived with Jesus. They knew Jesus' teaching. And this was the mission that they were on. Jesus told his disciples while he was with them on this earth, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make other disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the early church understood it wasn't their strength. It wasn't their might. It wasn't their power. To be a follower of Jesus, they had to take his message and they had to bring that message to the rest of the world. So they had a very clear message statement or, or mission statement. But now how was their message received? So they, they went and they spread from the 120. They, they went and they spread the word. Well, what was the feedback they were getting? What did it look like? So we're going to talk about how their message was received and we're going to look into Acts 4. But before we get into Acts 4, I've just got to give you the backdrop of Acts 3. And it was too, too many verses for me to try to put them, so I'm just going to tell it to you in my own words. All right, so in Acts 3, we find this. Peter and John, they probably started their day like, like they always started their day. I'm assuming they must have prayed and, and did their morning devotion. They got into the Word. They asked God, God, would you bless my day? Help me be used by you today. And, you know, this afternoon we're planning on going to the temple. Yeah, no big deal. We go to the temple a lot. So, but they're on their way to the temple and something happens. They see this man that had been brought to Gate Beautiful. If you don't know the story, it's in Acts 3. Wonderful story. But this man was crippled from birth. He was a beggar. And, and he's at the gate, and Peter and John just happened to be walking past him. Uh, you know what? It was not on their to-do list that day. Okay, go to temple, see beggar at Gate Beautiful. They had no idea they were going to be passing this man. But as they're passing him, the Spirit of God just said something to him like, hey, stop. They stop, they look at the man, and he's like expecting for them to give, expecting for, the, for them to give him some money. But they go, look, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, we give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they pick the man up by his hand, and all of a sudden this guy that's never walked a day in his life stands up, and it's a miracle. He's walking. Like, wouldn't you get excited if you were there? So, so of course, all the people get excited. They go into the temple, and now they want to listen to Peter and John. How did you do that? 
And they start talking to him all about Jesus and the power of Jesus Christ to, 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 uh, to come down here and to save us from our sins and the message of Jesus. So the people receive the message, but we find out in Acts 4, we're joining the story, Acts 4 verse 1, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, this is right after this miracle happened, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. And these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. Why would the priests be disturbed? Like, isn't this a good thing, right? That, that, that they would be showing people the way of Jesus? See, the, the priests spread this rumor that Jesus' body was stolen. He, he, wasn't, he didn't rise from the dead. He was stolen. It was all a hoax. So they don't want anybody talking about Jesus. They want this Jesus person to like fade away into history and, and to be forgotten. But the disciples, like Jesus is alive and they're, they're performing miracles and it's, it's, you, can't, you can't argue with what was happening at the time that people were receiving. So the priests were very upset by this. So we find later in Acts 4, they, uh, well, actually let's, let's read it. Acts 4 verse 3. It says they arrested them. The priests arrested Peter and John since it was already evening. They put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of the men who believed now totaled 5,000 people. How many was, was at the, the day of Pentecost in the upper room? It was 120. So talk about explosive growth. They've gone from 120 to 5,000 as an early church in just a matter of, I don't know, weeks, months. It's an amazing growth. So the people are very much listening to the message. But the high priest, man, they're, they're not liking this at all. So later we find in Acts 4, in 5 through 21, the council and the ruler of elders and the teachers of the religious, religious law, they get together and they, they command them never to speak the name of Jesus again. And Peter and John reply this to them, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We can't stop telling about everything that we've seen and heard. And as time goes on, more and more people got healed and the high priest arrested them again. And this time, the church leaders want to kill them. Right? So, so after this happened, they arrested them. They command them never to speak. And Peter and John say, hey, we, we can't listen to you. We've got to listen to God. They go and continue to do more things. And now they're, they're arrested all over again. But this time, the high priest don't want to go easy on them. They're like, we need these disciples dead. Because if we don't kill them, like this message is just going to, it's spreading like wildfire. We've got to get it under control. So at this time in the council, there was a, a trusted advisor. His name was Gamaliel. And Gamaliel said this, and we find this story in, in Acts 5. And I'm just going to read it to you before we look at the last part of it. In Acts 5.34, it says this, But one member of Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, he stands up in the middle of this council meeting, and he orders that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. So he says, take Peter and John away. I just, we just need to have a private meeting. And while he's there with all of his colleagues, so it's the priest, the temple guard, high priest, he says, men of Israel, take care what you're planning to do with these two men. Some time ago, there was a fellow, Thutis, who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed and his all, all of his followers went their various ways. And the whole movement came to nothing. And after him, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him. But he was killed too, and his followers were scattered. So my advice is this. Leave these men alone and let them go. If they're planning and doing these things merely on their own, they're surely soon to be overthrown. But if it's from God, 
you will not be able to overthrow them. You, you may even find yourselves fighting against God. So this is Gamaliel. He's a high priest, but he's recognizing something going on. Like, you know what? If we let this thing run its course, what we've seen in the past is the leader dies, the whole movement dies. But you know what? If this is different, like we don't want to be found fighting against God. Like let's just, let's just let this thing run the course. So this is what we see in, in Acts 5.40. It says that the others accepted his advice. The rest of the council accepted that advice. They call on the apostles and they had them flogged. Okay, you know what flogging means? It's not just like, don't do that again. No, they're taking out a whip and they're whipping each of them 39 times was, the, was what we know from culture. That's what a flogging was. So they tie their hands up and they're like, one, two, 39 times they're getting flogged. And then they order them never to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. Okay, I don't know about you, but if you whip me 39 times and told me never to speak, I'm like, don't you worry. I'm never going to talk again like this. Hurts too much. I've learned. But it says they left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is Messiah. I'm like, wow. All right, let's have a public flogging right now and see how you do, right? See how I do. Would you be able to respond in love and say, yeah, I know you told me never to talk, but Jesus is just so important to me, I can't stop talking about him. I I have to. Like how many of us would be like they were? That's just incredible. So I, I read this story and it made me think of this quote. I'm not sure where it comes from. If you know, please see me afterwards. But it says this, you know your servant when you're treated like one and it doesn't bother you. Think about that. You know your servant when you're treated like one and it doesn't bother you. I, I look at this and I'm like, I'm challenged by it because I, of course, we're all servants of the Most High God. We, we're here because it's a privilege to, to come alongside His Holy Spirit and be used by Him. But you know what? Isn't there that part of you that's like, I like to be thanked sometimes. Like, hey, thank you for, for ushering this morning. Thank you for watching our kids in the children's ministry. Those people that did the breakfast or the bomb, like we thank them. What if you never got thanked for anything you did? You know, what if your kids never said, Mommy, I love you, and there's no thanks coming to you? They're just like, they took you for granted. Don't you feel like after a while, hey, kid, you, you snot-nosed little sniveling kid, like, say thank you, I'm your parent, you know? But you know you're a servant when you're treated like one and it doesn't bother you. They counted, the disciples counted themselves such a privilege to suffer for the name of Jesus because their master suffered in the same way. I'm not there yet. You, you may not be either. You may be like, okay, that, that's a good goal, but I, I often, when I'm treated like a servant, I'm disappointed. It's not that I don't like serving, but sometimes we serve for, for reasons that you know, we're looking to hear back. And it's, it's good that we give people positive affirmation. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. But let's check our motives because this is what I see in the disciples. They left rejoicing after they got flogged. Not like, hey, dude, you flogged the wrong people right now. They, they didn't have an attitude. They weren't mad. They weren't trying to get even. They were just like, thank you, Jesus, that we could get flogged. And then they went out and continued to spread the Jesus. Not for a moment did they get bitter. You don't see that. You don't see that at all in, in, in what we see. So what's our attitude when we serve? Does it bother us or are we happy to serve? You know, if you go serve at 1269 this month, we're not going to have your picture up on the TV Sunday morning before church. If you're serving at the food pantry, likely you won't see your picture up on the TV either. 
But is that the reason why we go? No, it's not. We, we go because we want to be used by Jesus. So there's an application that I think we can all take every day out of this. And I've got a short video that I just want to play and then I'm going to come back up. So would you show that video? There are moments when we might be tempted to think, what difference will it make? I don't have the time. What do I have to offer? But if we choose to believe these thoughts, we're missing out on our opportunity to be a part of something special. Making someone's day that little bit brighter. Lending your ear when they need someone to hear. Being the answer, even when they haven't asked. When nobody else will ever know. Generosity happens when we see the opportunity instead of the obstacle. So when you see your opportunity, seize it. You know, there's something really cool about that video because it's just everyday people. They're, they're nothing special, right? They're like you and I. But you see, for you or I, maybe we ask ourselves this question, what difference can I make? They've already found they, they can make a difference just by being who God's called them to be. We, we, may, add, we may say of ourselves, you know, I, I really don't have the time. I'm late to work. I'm going to church. Like, I need to get to church. I can't stop right now. None of us have the time. But is God calling us to make the time? Maybe we think we don't really have anything to offer. Something as simple as a meal or a listening ear. It doesn't, doesn't have to be much. But, but to be generous can be something so small but yet it can make such a big difference. So we see this in Acts 5.42. And every day in the temple from house to house, they continue to preach, to teach and to preach this message, Jesus is Messiah. So every day is an opportunity to do this. You know, I was thinking again about Peter and John that morning when they went to the temple. It wasn't like they started off with heal someone today. Like that was not on their to-do list. Just like you may have started off this day, you don't know what the ride home is going to look like. You, you don't know what this afternoon will be or tonight. What opportunity would God give you to be generous? That's why I'm like, start practicing generosity at home and, and then take it to your workplace and to your neighbors and to your community. But, but like, don't wait until tomorrow. Do it this afternoon. Every day is an opportunity for us to make a difference in, some, in someone's life. And, and when I think about making a difference, it can be, it can be as simple as, when someone speaks an unkind word to me, what's my natural response? Well, I want to be unkind back to you. How about if I respond in love instead of, instead of responding in unkindness? Wouldn't that be amazing? Like that takes, that takes the power of Jesus. But there was something for the disciples that we see Peter went from the disciple that denied Christ three times. See, Peter had told Jesus, Jesus, I'm never going to deny you. Like I will be with you till the end, Jesus. And Jesus is like, Peter, you know, I love your heart but it's not going to go down that way, man. Like before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, that's never going to happen. And he did. He denied him and he was heartbroken. He's like, I'm such a loser. But then Peter, that same man that was such a loser in the Gospels, he gets filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happens? He's the one that's the spokesperson for all of them. On the day of Pentecost, it's Peter 
that's talking to all the people saying, men and women, this is what the prophet Joel told us about. It's, it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's coming in the last days. And it's not just for us, it's for you too. If, you've been, if you know the name of Jesus, it's for all mankind. That's what Peter preaches and we find that, that his, his story and his testimony in Acts 2. So if Peter could go from a man that denied Jesus three times to being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and actually being the mouthpiece of God just because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, we have the same Holy Spirit available to us. You don't have to feel like you're a person of courage this morning to be used by God. So by the time it got around to me at that dinner table on the cruise and I'm supposed to say, hey, this is what I feel so courageous about, I actually said, you know what, I don't think I'm very courageous at all. To, to be honest, like I'm not a courageous person, but there's a person I know that's changed my life, Jesus Christ. He's courageous because he came and, and lived a perfect life and, and died in my place. And you know what, as I receive more and more of him, it allows me to step out in faith and, and stepping out in faith is being courageous. So I just shared my testimony. I was saved when I was young. I was 10 years old. I walked all through middle school and high school. I saw my friends go down the way of the world like so many of our young people do. You know what? I stayed true to Jesus. That was my courage. I, I lived a life of faith. I continue to live a life of faith. And don't you as well that the culture is going down like, it feels like we're swimming upstream sometime as Christians. And we should. We're, we're not part of this world. We're strangers is what the Bible says to this world. We're sojourners in a distant country because we're not from the world. We're from heaven. Heaven is where my citizenship is. It's where your citizenship is. So what does living courageously look like? It's, it's not that you got to go join the military to be courageous. Live out your faith. That takes being courageous. And, it, and you don't have to have the courage in and of yourself. You just have to recognize it's not from you. It's from accepting what God has already provided for you. Father, would you give me the power of the Holy Spirit that you might live through me? And generosity, I love where they said in the video, it's seeing the opportunity instead of the opposition. So many times I've been in the workplace and it's like, you know, the stampede is going in one direction. They're talking about this or that or the other and like, man, they're, they're going down a wrong path. How do I as a believer affect change in that? And sometimes it's just asking a powerful question. You know, well, what would happen if? Or why would you say that? I just ask a question. I don't preach. I don't say a lot about my faith. I just ask a simple question. And you know what? It starts to turn people and maybe they got a question back for me and then I have an opportunity. Like I've told you, I go fishing. The fish aren't biting. I'm not going to keep casting and wasting my time, right? But if, if a fish starts to bite when I, when I ask a powerful question and they come back and want to know more, okay, now I'll, I'll share my faith. But sometimes we need to understand what does it look like? How do we be courage, courageous? So I have a challenge for each one of us. The challenge is what would it look like if you started by praying and reading every day? Just like Peter and John did that one day when they went to Gate Beautiful. And they didn't expect to see that happen that day. But something amazing happened because they were just ready. They were available. Right? I think there's an opportunity for all of us that, okay, where are you right now in your prayer life and in reading the Word? Maybe you're not, maybe you don't do it. That's okay. You could start, right? So I mentioned to you my marathon training. I never ran over a half marathon. Now I'm running more than a half marathon every week. It's like it's easy. Not that it's easy. Don't get me wrong. It's still a lot of work. But the point is this, you trained for it. I, I started with like one mile runs, two mile runs, three mile runs. If you're not ready to run long distance, just run a short walk. 
but start somewhere, right? It, it, there is a beginning that we can all have. And it's amazing how something like that can grow in your life and it can, become, it can become such a strength in your life. So challenge number one, pray and read every day and say, God, I'm giving you this day. How do I live courageously? How do I be generous today? Who do you want me to be generous to? Which is everybody, but there's specific people God may have for you like that uh, crippled man at Gate Beautiful for Peter and John. And then second, when you see that situation occur, act. It, it could be simple. It could be a word of kindness. It could be making a meal. It could be um, just listening to someone. But, but show God's love to others that you come in contact with. And start tonight. Start when you get home with your brothers, your sisters, your spouse, your kids. Like, don't wait to do it tomorrow because that's the world you need to know. Start where you are. Let's, let's bloom where we're planted, so to speak. So act every day. What would it look like today to act courageously? To, to God, I've been forgiven so much. How do I forgive others? God, you've given me so much. How do I give generously to others? And then I'm going to say be generous every day. And you may say, well, wait a minute. Isn't that kind of the same as act every day? Yeah, it is. But in case you missed it when I said act every day, I want to give it to you again. Because I'm thick sometimes. Like I, I see act every day. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll act. God, there was nothing for me to act in today. No, then just have a hard attitude of being generous. I, I don't want us to miss this. Because God has something for all of us. He moved amazingly in the book of Acts and that same spirit is with us today. And, and we need to take hold of that and, and learn a lesson. So let's stand together as we, as we pray and close the message. God, I thank you for these challenges, Lord. I thank you for what we see in the book of Acts, that when they received the Holy Spirit, something tremendous changed in their lives. Lord, Peter went from a, a, a loser, a person that denied you, to a person that would st stand up for his faith in, in all different situations and be such a mighty man of God. Lord, there's times we don't feel courageous at all as believers, but God, we don't have to be because you are. And you're the one that fills us with your courage, God. So Father, I ask for each one that your spirit will be deposited on us today, God. That we receive the power of your spirit each morning as we pray, as we read. We'd open up our hearts to receive more of you, Jesus. Lord, let us commit each day to you that we ask, God, what is the act that you have? How do we live generously today? Lord, how do we act with courage today to a world that's dying, to a world that's lost? Father, to our family members that, that treat us sometimes, Lord, in a, in a manner that isn't good. Lord, help us respond in a good manner, in a loving manner. Lord, help, help us to live out our faith and be active. So we, we thank you for these things. I, I pray a blessing on your people. Lord, we ask for safety on the way home with the snow. And God, we, we just give you praise in all situations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, have a great day and uh, see you next week. If you need prayer for anything, please feel free to come forward.